Hey, Rose, do you ever call up Royally Obsessed on Alexa? It's one of the easiest ways to listen to the pod. You can hear our latest episode every week there, thanks to Amazon Music, which has a full catalog of podcasts, including Royally Obsessed. All you have to do is say, Alexa, play Royally Obsessed on Amazon Music. Oh, no, mine is listening to me say that right at this moment. <laughs> a royal reminder, new episodes drop every Thursday. Tune in on Amazon Music. Now on to the show. Please rise for their majesties of Royally Obsessed, the podcast for all things royals. Stand by! Three cheers for Her Majesty the Queen! Welcome back to Royally Obsessed. I'm Roberta. And I'm Rachel. And it's time for your weekly update on the royal news you need to know. Welcome back to the show. As a lot of news. (laughs) Yes. This week. Always, always. It's it's absolutely wild. A couple of royal reminders as always before we dive in. You can follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast and join the Facebook group Royally Obsessed. You can also subscribe to the podcast and leave us a royal rating. We have a really wonderful review to read later on the episode. And send us an email at info at gallerypodcasts.com. We'll write you Rachel, back. Rachel. Yes, we will write you back. That's right. That's right. <laughs> a fun perk of emailing us. <laughs> Rachel, how are you? I'm this good. Week? I'm good. You know, I'm actually really snowed in. I know you're in Florida, but I feel like Massachusetts got pummeled. We have about a foot of snow with this kind of nor'easter of kinds, but I'm sure it's nice. I love we'll- seeing all of the Instagrams. There's so many pictures of the snow. I, it's actually so beautiful, but I'm sure you're just sick of it at this point. Well, no, I think it's a nice way to differentiate the days, to be honest. Like, I think it makes a big difference in a pandemic, especially. But And I think kids got actual snow days this time, a lot of them. So that's good. <laughs> Thanks. And I mean, speaking of kids, yes. Finn's birthday. Yes, he's coming up this, this weekend, weekend, which is really exciting. We have a bit of an animal theme going on at home, oh. just us. But we're trying to I think we'll try to decorate a lot, but uh, but I'm I'm excited. It goes by so fast, which is a little bit hard to believe that he's turning well, three. Give him a hug for me. I Happy will. birthday, Finn. I will. How was your weekend? How's your week going? It's good. My weekend was good. I actually did a Zoom cocktail making class Ooh. with Dave, which was like our date night <laughs> when so we're cute. kind of separated for uh, a short amount of time. So yeah, we we made four different rum coffee cocktails, which were delicious. It was an espresso rum teeny, and then there were some others, but it was really great. I feel like we should mix something like that up on the pod. (laughs) Maybe maybe I'll I'll teach you one and we can make it next time. Oh my gosh, that sounds so good. Yeah. How was yours? Mine was good. I actually really did nothing, except I have to admit that I'm back on Suits. Oh, you're uh, watching again. Well, no, I, I made it through season four and then I took a pause because I think oh, I was just like, oh, oh. I felt a little like my my watching patterns were unhealthy because I was watching so much at a time. It's just such an addictive show. And I just randomly was like, I'm just going to watch it while I was working out or something this weekend at home. And uh, yeah, I started binging again. I watched five episodes in a row on Sunday night. <gasps> I'm talking like up until 1 a.m., like not healthy on a Monday night when you have and they're the like day. an hour long or <laughs> yes oh they're now wow. a full hour <laughs> but it's that whole like Netflix you know, it's a lot or not Netflix Amazon Prime just serves you the next one and Megan oh, is yeah. so like good Megan's Netflix, character yeah. I just yeah. love her I don't even think that I'm watching the Duchess of Sussex anymore I'm just so into Rachel Zane so 
you know. <laughs> I need more recommendations. I feel like we're flying through all of our shows, but I'm still keeping up with every Sunday night, yes. all features great and small. I've fallen behind Favorite on that. Show I need right to now. get that. I need to get back in the mix. But anyways, uh well we have, guys, we have so much coming up on this episode. First, we just want to mention that Black History Month is all of February. It started this week. We of course don't need a reason to honor Black History, but this is yet another occasion to do so. So we wanted to call attention to that. Uh we are also talking about Kate's continued focus on mental health of parents during the pandemic, which is completely, I mean, a tall order in a lot of ways to prioritize your mental health when you have so many moving parts. She focuses on that a lot this week. And William's tweet about racism and the Premier Football League. We have some thoughts on that. That and so much more coming up. I mean, really, that's like barely scraping the surface of this episode. I feel like we we like keep track of all that's happened since our last episode, and this the list this time has been so so long. (laughs) We had to edit a lot out, actually. Yeah, we're gonna try and get through it all. All right. Well, we always leave time for our royal refreshment, and now it's time for the weekly royal cocktail. And we are sipping a Bridgerton-themed cocktail. Well, I am. It's called the Lady Whistledown, and it's 21 seeds tequila, Valencia orange flavored. Then you're supposed to do an ounce of St. Germain elderflower liqueur. I did elderflower tonic water and a teaspoon of lime juice and blueberries. I'm holding it up to the... I feel like that I did a so pretty good pretty. job. I, I, like, I stuck some raspberries in there and, and there's like weird ice cream. It's all in the fruit family. I like it. Mm-hmm. I feel like this tequila, I actually sampled it over the weekend uh, and oh. I'm not drinking it right now because I'm nursing some water, but it is so delicious. I love the orange, the Valencia orange infusion. It really, I'm not a huge tequila person, but it actually same, is same. very light either. and delicate and, and all natural too. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's all natural flavors, I think, uh, which is kind of like a rarity. I guess in alcohol because there's a lot of artificial flavors so really delicious um, we wanted to do this lady whistle down cocktail though because <laughs> big announcement over the weekend Bridgerton is the biggest Netflix show to date now it's, it's so wild the crown so wild absolutely crazy 82 million households out of the 200 million Netflix subscribers have watched the show which is around 40% but base I mean like I'm rounding up here but basically one in two people with Netflix have watched oh my gosh Everyone has watched. I mean, (laughs) even I feel like the royal family. We'll get into that soon. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. And filming of season two of Bridgerton is reportedly about to begin next month in March. And they will release it hopefully in early 2022. So we don't have to wait that long. Wow. I cannot wait. It's like already. I need I need it now. I need it now. I'm following all of them on Instagram, Nicola Coughlin, everything she posts. It's I am. Just can I delight. just say I'm rewatching it. The, the first season with Matt and he has right out of the gate made some predictions about who Lady Whistledown is. And I'm just like, I feel like how, I don't know. His guests are pretty oh, is good. He right. Yes, and it's annoying me. I'm like, I that was such a twist. I'm no spoilers here, but it was, here, such, but a it was twist. such a twist. I didn't see it. I know. It bugs me that he's like, wait, is that it? What? <laughs> I'm so excited to see how that plays out in season two. Yes, Very me too. Can't wait. Very excited. All right. Well, we have a lovely reader email from Emily this week. She said, Hi, Roberta and Rachel. Actually, I've known I'm royally obsessed for quite some time, but I've stayed away from podcasts for some reason until now. I finally dove in and am binging Royally Obsessed, joyfully reliving episodes past and waiting for each new one. I'm taking Brian Kozlowski's tip from the Queen's Health Habits to indulge in something I love and look forward to once a day. And it's this podcast. I walk my dog or go for a run with it and allow myself to smile 
smile, enjoy the sparkling conversation, and truly savor the loveliness of it all. I welcomed my second child in July, so having this royally obsessed time to myself is really special and definitely a recharge moment. Anyway, I knew this was the right podcast for me when at some point you mentioned Margarita Armstrong Jones, Princess Margaret's granddaughter, and I said to myself, oh right, that really smiley blonde bridesmaid from William and Kate's wedding. I am an editor as well. I work for a magazine down here in Texas. I know you must get inundated with messages, but just in case you read this, I wanted to share how wonderful your podcast is. Thank you so much. Emily, I'm so glad you brought up Margarita as bridesmaid. Did you, I just, did you click this link? I'm just clicking the link that you have here. She is darling. She's the cutest. And she's kind of all grown up now, which is wild because we're coming up on the 10th anniversary of William and Kate's wedding this year. That is so crazy. I love I these teenagers. I can't now. wait for all the retrospectives about Kate's wedding, Kate and William's wedding. I also, after reading this, we also got another note from fellow Roro Shea, and I want to shout out that she has an Etsy shop that you can get your Valentine's cards if you haven't yet. It's called Growing Up Stepford, and she has Bridgerton Valentine's, Pride and Prejudice cards, the Crown-themed Valentine's. We mentioned, you know, Royal and Bridgerton-themed Valentine's last week, so we needed to call it out. She wrote to us and says, shameless plug, but there is shame, although Always. small business owners got to hustle and totally no shame in that. You got to hustle. I totally gotta agree. Hustle. Write Amen. us with this stuff. We want to hear it. We want to promote it for sure. And we want to shop it. <laughs> yes. And this week in royal history. And now, this week in royal history. Flashing back 69 years, February 6, 1952, Queen Elizabeth succeeded to the British throne after her father, King George VI, passed away at age 56. This is how the nation found out about it. We're going to play the radio broadcast. This is London. It is with the greatest sorrow that we make the following announcement. It was announced from Sandringham... At 10.45 today, February the 6th, 1952, that the king, who retired to rest last night in his usual health, passed peacefully away in his sleep. And so, reminder that the queen, now queen, and Prince Philip were on tour in Kenya when they heard of the news of the death of her father. The king had been in bad health for quite some time. It was the toll of ruling during World War II, as well as being a heavy smoker all of his life. He had his left lung removed, actually, a few years prior. So Princess Elizabeth was 25, Prince Philip was 30, and they were on their way to Australia for a royal tour, but stopped over in Kenya for a few days. They'd actually been in in the country for six days when they found out. The day before, they had taken photos of elephants at a nearby watering hole and were having a wonderful trip. Time magazine actually reported at the time that they were too excited to sleep and they kept having to leave their cot in this treetop hotel because they wanted to watch all the nocturnal visitors at the watering hole. There were all these like beautiful animals there. So just like, you know, going from such happiness to such, such sadness. Uh, Philip was actually the first to learn that George VI had died after a newspaper reporter told him. He then told Elizabeth while they were at a hunting lodge 20 miles away from the hotel, and the first thing she did was take a long walk with Philip. She then wrote letters to the leaders of the countries in Australia and New Zealand that they were going to visit, saying she was sorry that they had to cancel. So clearly duty above all else. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Back in England, as the news of the king's death spread, all theaters closed, TV programs were canceled except for news bulletins, and flags in every town were flown at half-mast. 
Reminder that Elizabeth wasn't actually coronated until June 2nd of the following year, 1953, but she became Queen Elizabeth II the moment her father died. And just like we saw in that episode, I don't know if you remember that episode. I do. I feel like that was the episode. It was in the first season that just really kind of hooked me on the whole show. I mean, Claire yep. Foy, and I just remember the warm sort of atmosphere of their tour. But I just remember the, you know, that contrast between sort of the bright, you know, vacation vibe and then the stark contrast of all of a sudden hearing of her father's death. Right. And I didn't actually read that this was true from the way the crown portrayed it. But in that episode, Elizabeth and Philip are talking in, at night in the treetop hotel that they're staying at. And she says, well, I might ask my dad if we can go move back to Malta and you can continue your service there because I know that's something that's so important to you and you really want to do. And like this dream of kind of having a life to themselves is like ultimately crushed by the news. And I think that that and so much the fact that she was so close to her father, the fact that she was away when it happened, it's just always very sad. I found myself rewatching the episode and crying a little bit because it no, was of heavy. course. I mean, I think also the differentiation between Prince Charles's experience as heir to the throne versus Queen Elizabeth's, where you know he's been the first, the heir, the direct heir for I mean over seventy years, whereas she was yeah. only twenty five. So it yeah, really is exactly. quite, quite different. And they do mention the episode name is actually called Hyde Park Corner, The Crown. And that is true that code names were used by key officials in an effort to prevent Buckingham Palace switchboard operators from learning of the death prior to a public announcement. So he his death was codenamed Hyde Park Corner. Elizabeth's death is London Bridge. Mm-hmm. I believe that when they say London Bridge is down, that's the code word for Elizabeth has passed. So also what's true from the show, I wanted to kind of fact check some stuff, was that the Queen's private secretary, Martin, asked her what her regal name should be. He said, you know, your father was named Albert, but he chose George, and his brother was David, but he chose Edward. What will your regal name be? And she really did in real life say, let's not overcomplicate things. Elizabeth, of course. What's wrong with Elizabeth? (laughs) And, you know, I, I feel like so matter of fact and so sure of herself. At 25, next year will mark 70 years since the passing of her father. Just wow. absolutely wild. I mean, she I was just so young when she took all of so this on. So young. It's a lot. It's a lot. Wow. Yeah. Gosh. Can't believe. What a good royal history moment to recall. Flashback. Yeah. Well, this week, okay, we're kicking it off with Cambridge News this time. We have a lot. Uh, first, we have Kate's first ever selfie video, which was such a surprise and fun thing to see in my newsfeed scrolling through. It popped up over the weekend. She recorded it in support of her patronage Place to Be's annual Children's Mental Health Week. Uh, I guess this year's theme is express yourself. And the idea behind it is to find a creative way that parents and kids can show how they feel. So I feel like Kate really took that to heart. And her selfie video was a great sort of, you know, It was just a very different approach than her typical setup and Zoom calls and that kind of a thing. And she appears to have also recorded it on the grounds of Amner Hall, where she is staying during this lockdown. So we're going to play a quick clip from that. This year's Children's Mental Health Week is all about expressing yourself. That's finding creative ways in which to share your thoughts, ideas and feelings. So whether that's through photography, through art, through drama, through music or poetry, it's finding those things that make you feel good about yourself. 
So I want to say that first, I'm obsessed with her hat. I really, really <laughs> love the hat that she had. She looked super casual. Like she really was just a mom stealing time out for a stroll, getting some fresh air. Do you know where it's air. from? Is no, it fr- I didn't see if it was ID'd anywhere. Did I, did you come across that? No, I didn't either. No, no. I should. I I didn't. Um, not not that it's I kind of generic in yeah. a way, but I'm sure someone will. I'm find sure someone ID'd exactly. it. Yeah, yeah, and I need one by the way. But it also I couldn't help but think how many takes did she have to do because it doesn't seem like a setup where she had a teleprompter or anything that was cueing her. Not that I don't know if that's what she has typically either but it was so she didn't flub a single line and I just think back to like you and I having to do some of that for promotions for this podcast and my camera roll was just like take after take because it's really hard well we stopped doing it because it is so hard I mean it is it's to not mess up at all and to it it takes a lot of practice and I think that she's really become so secure in her you know, off the cuff public speaking more now. I feel like we always have seen her with a written speech and to see that she's kind of, you know, comfortable in her own skin and her own words and filming this kind of, I, what stopped me in my tracks when I was scrolling through my Instagram newsfeed is that her hair is not perfect and you can actually see like a lot of split ends, but I was like, that. It's good. Like, I just feel like it's so, it's so relatable. It's, you know, she's talked about cutting her own kid's hair in lockdown, cutting her hair. And I was like, yes, I know split ends because it just, (laughs) it just made me feel like this, this is what we really want to see. She's just another working mom too. She's got to get the job done. She needs to record this video. And I did like that the messaging behind is her continued spotlight on the mental health component for parents in particular during the pandemic. And that was one of her five big questions on the under fives that she spotlighted, which was the fact that loneliness is significantly on the rise during this time. So it's, you know, the message of her video is really to be the best version of ourselves for the children in our care, which is a huge huge, huge challenge. But I did really like that Kate, you know, I know she has access to way more, you know, ch- potential childcare and, and resources mm-hmm. than a mm-hmm. lot of us, but she's leading by example. She's taking a quick walk doing that. I sometimes feel like it's a real struggle to remind myself to do that. So mm-hmm. at the very minimum, it's just a good, rem- you know, she's doing it. She's setting the example. I really loved this. I want more I selfie did. videos. Yes. Same. <laughs> um, we also earlier in the week saw Kate participate in another Zoom on the similar topic, but this time for Mind Charity in an effort to spotlight again parents under pressure. And, you know, we think about it in the context, it's the UK's third lockdown. Parents are so stressed. So this virtual convo was also really enlightening about the Duchess of Cambridge. We had a lot of honesty from Kate where we had the moderator asking a series of questions for Kate and the other parents participating, and they had to hold up cue cards of their answers. So I'm going to read a couple of those. One of those was rate your math ability after several months of homeschooling. And everyone was actually pretty impressed with their efforts. Like people were like, I'm an eight, I'm a four, and I'm now an eight. You know, they improved. And Kate was like, yeah. I'm minus five. <laughs> wow. Not even zero. <laughs> Negative five. And I okay. loved the moderator goes, well, we have special paper packs for people like you. It was like so hilarious. It was if you watch the full version oh. on YouTube. Um, another one was one word that describes parenting during the pandemic. And Kate, her answer was exhausting. And I want to play a clip from that moment. What do we feel about this exhausting? What is it that's exhausting? As, as parents, you've got the sort of the day-to-day the day-to-day elements of, of being a parent. But I, I suppose during lockdown, we've had to take on additional roles that perhaps others around us in our communities or in our lives would have perhaps supported us and helped us with. So, mm. you know, I've become a hairdresser this lockdown, <laughs> uh, much to um, my children's horror, <laughs> seeing mum <laughs> cutting hair. Um, we've had to become, you know, teacher, you know, and I think 
I personally feel pulled in so many different directions. For what it's worth, I think the kids' hair has looked really good. So I feel like Kate is doing a really great job with the haircutting, if that's all on her. Uh, I love it. Yeah. Another another question, who has been the greatest support during the pandemic? And Kate wrote in a beautiful script, William. Uh, and I, I this was the Bridgerton mention. The moderator adds, great. We just don't want to hear Bridgerton as your only support during or the greatest <laughs> support during the pandemic. But... It and they actually tweeted about that too. Kensington <laughs> Palace tweeted about it, which I thought was really funny. So, are they and watching Roberta? They must. Be. I think so. They must I think be. So. It's too good. They got to yeah. be in the moment for this. Well, and they have to like if Fergie mentioned she's watching it, then they have to obviously watch it so that they know. They can I mean, talk it's not about, about it them. It up. must be just kind of fun. And I mean, they have to love Daphne and Simon and all of them. <laughs> I think they are. I mean, William mentioned Tiger King way back in early yeah. quarantine. They're watching I- that. They're. <laughs> oh my I gosh. hope they didn't watch Tiger King. So it's funny. Awful. That'll always be pegged to the beginning of the pandemic for us. I actually liked that her script wasn't that perfect. Yeah, though. same. I mean, but it know, was so like swoopy and just like I don't know. Yeah, it still felt very elegant mm-hmm. to me. And I always think about Megan and her calligraphy and how like kind of unattainable that feels because she definitely took lessons and practiced a lot and it's something I obviously would love to do in my free time quote unquote yeah. um but something that I like about Kate is that it's not that great it's like cursive and all but it is definitely I don't know I feel like you can tell I mean there's like handwriting experts that can tell a lot about someone from their their writing and yeah we should call I would love to see in. what they say about that yeah <laughs> totally no it was but it was I I also just I love that they're trying all these different formats and there was another parent that mentioned you know keeping the spotlight on mental health of parents just the comment about the the pressure of the pandemic for parents is that there's just no release like your work day ends you mm-hmm. go right to the child care mm-hmm. and then you're working again and and just the idea that we need to talk about that more openly so it was a yeah. great sort of she gives gives the little nuggets of personal information but then we're also really keeping the attention on the message so yeah Okay, the last thing that we need to talk about is William's tweet about racist abuse within the Premier Football League. Lots of controversy here. The context of this is important. It's some of the most prominent soccer players in the UK have been receiving a lot of online abuse recently. And supposedly the great this happened at the end of January. Greater Manchester police are investigating the, the abuse, which has targeted several players in the league. Footballers there continue to take a knee before every game, and I guess they're taking their cue from they. Their inspiration for doing that came from the U.S. Oh, and in honor of the Black Lives Matter movement, and to show that racism won't be tolerated. The comment from William, which was posted to Instagram and Twitter, says racist abuse, whether on the pitch, in the stands, or on social media, is despicable, and it must stop now. We all have a responsibility to create an environment where such abuse is not tolerated, and those who choose to spread hate and division are held accountable for their actions. That responsibility extends to the platforms where so much of this activity now takes place. I commend all those players, supporters, clubs, and organizations who continue to call out and condemn this abuse in the strongest terms. And it's signed with his initial W. So we know it was from him. So I do want to mention William is president of the Football Association in the UK. So this is about duty for him. But it stopped me in my tracks when I saw it. I'm curious kind of your reaction. I think my initial reaction, too, was kind of like, this feels like you're completely missing everything that happened with your sister-in-law. Like everything that was going on with Harry and Megan in the media and particularly Megan, I mean, really just singling her out. We've talked so much about this on the podcast and, and just that, you know, when it comes to football, William takes notice, but when it comes to someone in your own family, you don't, I just definitely feels 
I don't know. It does. It doesn't feel right. And even knowing the context, like even context, even reading into, you know, what's going on with these famous footballers and the messages they're receiving, and I still feel like it's it's not it, it's not the right. I don't know. It's it's just it's it's weird. It's weird. I want to hear what other one other well, people have said. I was just gonna say that I feel very similarly. I feel like. I, I want to give William the benefit of the doubt here and say, you know, this is the beginning of an effort to speak up and to be publicly anti-racist. But I feel like it's just so late because not only was the, you know, we had everything happening to Megan that they were really silent on, but also we had the Black Lives Matter movement, which is still going strong. But when it was at yeah. a kind of fever pitch in the beginning of the summer, it's like yep. we all kind of talked about how we were waiting for a statement from the royal family on the matter, which is not, in my opinion, it's definitely not political, which is a lot of the excuse that people give. It's it's a human issue. And to yeah. have them be so quiet on it, you know, so it, it I think that's yeah. where I was just so taken aback. But a couple of comments, there's a great thread about this happening in the Royally Obsessed Facebook group. Stephanie writes, I'm sorry, but when I read this, I thought, what a slap in the face. Why didn't he ever make that type of statement in support of his sister-in-law? The line has always been, it's not their place or whatever, but obviously he's just shown he can make those types of statements wholeheartedly agree and from kim they meaning the royal family have so or william and kate i presume is what she's saying when she says they they have so much opportunity to set a good example and model a healthy family in the 21st century and i do not understand how they can legitimately release this statement when just a minute ago he did nothing to stand up for his biracial sister-in-law attacked for her race so you know it's it's a really tricky situation. I mean, I think my only, again, trying to give the benefit of the doubt is that maybe they were getting really bad advice prior mm-hmm. to this. You know, I imagine mm-hmm. there's a lot of hands on this and we've seen a lot of big changes on their team in the last, you know, Even month. just like weeks. Yeah. yeah. So him coming out with this statement is a really big change. It's just, I think reading his words for me, I wish that was the statement we saw when everything was happening to Megan. I know. I know. I do too. I did read somewhere that they... There was a statement more recently that condemned the press treatment of Megan, Harry and William's joint statement. Yes, there was. And, and But I still feel like, I don't know, like it was too little too late in that regard too, you know? And I think that's a great point that you brought up about Black Lives Matter and everything that's gone on. It's, it's now seven months past that. I mean, when the height of that in the summer and then – you know, years past what Megan and Harry were going through. So it just it just feels like completely the wrong time, like completely missed the mark. Yeah. So me. and it's getting a, there's a lot of backlash. So interesting. But we'll yeah. leave it there. Well, moving on to the other side of the pond, the Sussexes, Harry and Megan are still at odds with the press. On the one hand, Harry's legal win versus the mail on Sunday is a big deal. Harry was awarded substantial damages from the paper for an article they published that claimed he's turned his back on the military community. This was, he was pissed about this. <laughs> like, you remember that. Like, he was mad because yeah. it, was, it said he didn't write a letter back to someone who had written him a letter. They said they were considering, you know, removing him from post it it was just it was really bad and very one-sided the reporting on that article this is definitely harry's achilles heel anything to do with his military involvement for sure i think military and archie i Mm -hmm. feel like he will absolutely go after anyone who tries to mess with those two 
factors in his life. So in January, the Mail on Sunday did run an apology and a correction to the story. I, I believe they've now taken the story down completely, but they claim that they had made a donation to the Invictus Games. Harry's lawyers at this hearing on Monday said they did no such thing. The Duke is personally donating the significant damages recovered from this legal resolution to the Invictus Games Foundation. So shady to say that you donated and then don't. <laughs> like, just... So not okay. The follow-up to that is is awful. And so Harry, you know, in the, a lot of people are going back and forth saying significant damages are not what... So there's this confusion online because it says in an article from, I believe, The Times that the co- Harry's team asked for 35,000 pounds, which would be the cost of creating the statement that his lawyers read, which is clearly exorbitant and he actually was awarded from the judge 2500 pounds for the statement so those are legal costs that's different from damages that's not the significant damages people are saying why is harry saying that this is significant damages it's only you know substantial damages it's only 2500 pounds well that's completely different we don't know how much the damages are from the paper i'm assuming it's a lot i don't Mm -hmm. think that they would say 2500 is substantial Um, but he is donating it himself to the invictus games which by the way have been postponed till Mm. spring 2020 22 i know kind of a a big blow for him but i do think that it's the right choice because they wouldn't have possibly wouldn't have had an audience there which i think is such a big part of the games yeah the morale that that brings exactly cheering on the wounded and injured servicemen and women so i think that you know it's a hard decision probably but the right one um it'll take place in the hague as we've mentioned before and for the record, this the draft or sorry, the statement that Harry's lawyers read in court was actually a second draft that they had to really tone down. The first was much, much harsher wording. The judge actually called it unduly ten- tendentious. Tendentious. Wow. Yeah. So we know that he was so mad. Didn't it livid. start off with the statement started off with my lord? Like yeah, he was My Lord. <laughs> I read that and I thought my that was lord. great. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Like, let me just take a beat for this because I'm pissed, as you said. (laughs) Yeah. Big picture, though, I do think it's interesting. He was, you know, forced to step down from his military post when they did back away as senior royals from their roles as senior royals. So, you know, that's not going to change, even though he is so upset. And we do know that anything about the military and Harry will strike a chord if it's not reported correctly or reported unbiasedly. So... I don't know. I just think that it's still it's kind of a little bit of a losing battle in a way because he he his involvement, his official involvement, at least in the capacity that he was in, is never going to be the same. Right. Yeah. He you know, he doesn't have those posts anymore. So I don't yeah. know that unless they change that. Yeah, exactly. So who knows? Maybe the I mean, there's so much talk that that one year review is never going to happen. But if that's something that they wanted to really work out, maybe it, it could. And then Megan's team had to issue their own statement this week about birth certificate drama. So quick backstory, Archie's birth certificate was updated for both Megan and Harry one month after his birth in June of 2019. For Megan, instead of saying Rachel, Megan, HRH, the Duchess of Sussex, it just now reads HRH, the Duchess of Sussex. For Harry, they added Prince before his name. And the tabloids have obviously had a field day about this lady colin campbell which i don't even want to deign to say her name on the podcast because she <laughs> is just always wait who is that can you just i i feel like i should know she's always stirring the pot and i see her quoted about megan harry a lot and like Ugh. 
dereliction of duty and all this. She's just an anti, anti Harry and Meghan person. But I don't know. She's just kind of, I think she's like on the fringe of this society. And she's written a couple books about it and just is. Check those sources. <laughs> yeah. I w- you can look her up yourself. I will. I will. More. Yeah. Um, or our listeners, I mean. But yeah, so she, Lady Colin Campbell said, this raises questions. And, you know, obviously the sun ran with it. So Megan's team has had enough. They released this scathing statement this week. They said, the change of name on public documents in 2019 was dictated by the palace, as confirmed by documents from senior palace officials. To see this UK tabloid and their carnival of so-called experts choose to deceptively whip this into a calculated family snub and suggest that she would oddly want to be nameless on her child's birth certificate or any other legal document would be laughable were it not offensive. There's a lot going on in the world. Let's focus on that rather than creating clickbait. Oh, wow. I love the thought of Megan and, and like signing off on that statement. Like, yes. <laughs> and Harry signing off on the other one that the judge yeah. is like, we can't even read this in court. It's too, it's too harsh. Like, it's too much. Yeah, they, uh, they both you really ran with the freedom that they have now of being able to explain and, you know, issue statements that kind of rebuke the press. And mm-hmm. I think that they've, they've, I don't know, enjoyed it maybe a little bit or just yeah. kind of have embraced it because they are able to speak up for themselves now. And I think yeah, I, more power I to them. Yeah. That. Yeah. So a little bit of, you know, why I still am a little confused why this has happened. Some say it's because Diana preferred her title only to on William's birth certificate and Harry's. It just says HRH Princess of Wales. Kate's full name is on all three of her children's birth certificates. So different from Diana. According to the Telegraph, Megan's passport actually says only the title. So it could be that they just wanted the, the same across all of her documents and I think it's a bigger deal that Prince was omitted from Harry's name because mm-hmm. that actually is part of his actual title. Yeah. How would they leave that out? That's like a bigger omission than anyone's willing to talk about. But of course, they're going to focus on and, you know, dive into with endlessly kind of picking apart the stuff about Megan. So Vanity yeah. Fair said, unlike, say, Princess Beatrice of York or Princess Michael of Kent, Rachel Megan isn't actually a part of her official title. And Debrett's etiquette guide, which I guess is the end-all be-all of etiquette, says she should be addressed as Her Royal Highness the Duchess of Sussex. So in this case, removing Rachel Megan was more akin to fixing a grammatical mistake, not necessarily to make a point. Because she and Harry agreed last year to stop using their HRH titles when pursuing work outside the family, she now goes by Megan the Duchess of Sussex, but they had not decided that in June of 2019 when this all happened. Yeah. It is really bizarre, though, the reasoning behind it. I, I agree with you that I'm just totally... I, I I actually read that there is a small possibility that the palace is going to be releasing a statement as well. I saw that, I think, on Laney Gossip. So I'm curious what will continue to unfold with this story. Well, and Buckingham Palace sources have said that they actually don't think that palace officials were the one who dictated this. And dictate is a strong word. We have to point out yeah. that that's been... In, kind of, you know, thrown around in headlines as the focal point of this is that Megan is clearly still upset with the way that she was treated in royal circles and by, you know, senior household members and things like that. But so Buckingham Palace sources have said that it wasn't their, um, it wasn't their call. But I think that Megan's statement is actually referring to Kensington Palace and that it was just kind of an oversight of when they drafted up, they just said the palace. And so, 
leaving it maybe purposefully vague wasn't the right option mm-hmm. in hindsight because now people are saying, well, Buckingham Palace says they didn't do they didn't order that, you know. Yeah. But I do think she meant Kensington Palace because Kensington Palace senior officials have confirmed that that's what indeed did happen. It wasn't Meghan and Harry that decided that. So I oh. just feel like the, the twisting weird, of what goes on is just it's like it's wild to watch how I it know. gets um, morphed into a different story. Okay, so ending on a really fun note, the royal documentary, Royal Family, the band documentary from 1969, delightfully leaked last week. And we have to take a moment, Roberta and I, to give credit where credit is due. Rachel in New Zealand, the like most devoted Roro of all time, pinged us, DM'd us, and the, the time difference works against us. But we heard from her, it's live. Go watch now. Stop what you're doing. Do it right now. And I had the funniest experience where I um I, I saw the message when I woke up at 7.30 in the morning and I was tending to Finn and getting ready and trying to get out the door to start my work day. Yeah. And I was like, I'll watch it while I'm brushing my teeth. I had it on the background. And I got in in the car where I commute to, you know, where we have our childcare at my parents and, and it had already been taken down. I was planning to use that drive to continue watching. And I told my husband and he was just like, I can't believe you didn't prioritize that. And it made (gasps) me laugh so hard for, I was a little bit annoyed because I was like, I didn't know I had the option to prioritize that, but (laughs) I did the same though. (laughs) I did the same. I completely thought like, it'll be there in a couple hours when I've like finally checked all my emails in the morning. And then Nope, it was gone, but Rachel pinged us again, and it was back up, so we got to watch it. So thank you to her, because honestly, when it came up, I literally called it. I was like, hello, Matt. I was like, I'm watching it now. You've got childcare. And so I spent the time, the almost two hours, to watch it, and it was amazing. So just, you know, as if it's been banned for almost over 50 years, and it offers a rare, you know, for those unfamiliar, it offers a rare look at the personal lives of the Queen, Philip, Charles, and Andrew, and Edward. And the Queen regretted it as soon as it was released. And we saw this also play out in The Crown. So Roberta, what did you think after watching it? I loved it. I thought that, it, I was, thought it was weird that it should be banned. Like, especially nowadays when we see See, I guess we're so used to reality TV and seeing behind the scenes and everything that I think it's they should put it out there. I just don't think that there's anything really bad about I it. And agree, I agree totally. I don't see why they have such so some of my favorite moments. I just love in general the queen is so smiley, and I think that's something that I didn't realize before, and that I don't think. Even like Olivia Coleman does such a good job, I think, of portraying the queen, but I do think that she's much more smiley than, and Rachel even pointed this out when she sent us the link again. Um, she's so funny and she's so, she makes light of a lot and she makes you comfortable. I think she makes a lot of people, because she meets so many people and she just, I don't know, she has a really good, um, just humor. rapport, she, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like just a good sense of humor and a good personality. Yeah, she's very comfortable in her own skin in that video. She's not stuffy in the way that I think a lot of – like I feel like the way she was portrayed, I agree. Which is why I think you would want this to be released. But anyways, I also really love Philip when he's painting a winter landscape at Sandringham. I thought that was really kind of funny. He's really good. And on that – Princess Anne is on this like pulley system between two boats that are both moving and it just was very weird and but so like she just doesn't smile at all and is one of my favorite people because of it. She's very wry and just I don't know I just feel like she I don't know doesn't give a F like about anything. (laughs) She just is like very cool. Um, Also when the Queen's buying ice cream for Edward that was really cute and Sweet. I don't know. The the moments where you see the queen with her children, I think that that's so rare for them because they're always on the move and always traveling. And I thought that was 
was really kind of sweet and sentimental and you could tell how much it meant to the queen like maybe making this documentary was a really wonderful way for her to spend time with her kids that she doesn't get to well that's what i was gonna say as i feel like she comes across as so warm with her kids like even the barbecue scene she just seems to have like just kind of a gentle rapport with charles and charles also to me seemed really good with kids even his younger siblings he seemed very patient it seems like maybe that's just his mo but he does and we've known that about him that he has was always intent on being a good dad so i think that 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 was kind of fun to see yeah the cello cello scene where the string breaks oh my god and it hits edward in the face it's really funny i know i know i feel like for me my favorite moments were also just getting a glimpse of like the the royal train and the britannia and i loved the snippet that the helicopter delivers papers to them daily like that's a huge that's a luxury to get that dropped on the boat that was crazy Okay, but just one quick theory. I just I just want to throw this out there. So I think overall, we both feel like this was incredibly good PR, right? Like in terms right. of like, this makes them look good. Like my big question that I come back to is how and why did this leak? Do you know what mm. I mean? Like it seems kind of the timing. It's like the royal, f- I don't know. I mean, I, I like how do they leaked it? Well, I'm saying how does it suddenly appear on YouTube? I know it was taken down. There was an immediate mm. copyright filed and it was taken off YouTube and then it resurfaced and all that stuff. But like, well, we all in, watched it. <laughs> it's in a, a library in London, like a copy of it. Yeah, you can I actually just, check it out and watch it. And I think probably people just make I mean, the coverage of it. of it is far reaching. And it it really, to me, I think 50 years later, I love the personal glimpse. It makes the family look good. And it kind of is like the, you know, perfect antidote to the crown. So I don't know. I was. But do ex- you think, do you think people will see it and feel like, a lot of it is staged because I got that feeling when they were decorating the Christmas tree. Like, I don't think they decorate the Christmas tree at Windsor every year. You know what I mean? Or like that they were watching TV all at the same time. Like the crown like skewered them for that because they really made fun of that scene where they're all gathered around the TV and they're like, what's going on? Like they don't even understand like what is happening on TV. So like I I do think that pretty easy to tear it apart a little bit and maybe that's why i do think the queen also just didn't want to be super relatable like you know what i mean like they are the monarchy like they shouldn't be like of the i don't know i don't know it's it's all very there's so many nuances to it because it's also the case that it makes at the end of the film for the monarchy it says like the reason for the monarchy is not that it was like it's not that anyone can come into power it's that anyone no one can come into power while they're there. No one can take over the courts because mm-hmm. the queen is head of the court. No one can just take over the government because the queen is like head of part. You know, so I think that the the case they make isn't that strong of a case, and so that's maybe I don't know. And it's also weird to think that Charles is waiting in this film to ascend to the throne, and he's still waiting now. That is also really, especially that way it opens with him. I know. I don't know. Making the case for him, too. Like, a lot of the documentary is saying, like, what will Charles's role, what will he be like as king? Like, they really set it up. Right. They really set it up for him to be, like, king in the next 20 years. The water skiing moment. I just loved that. Yeah, no. bicycle. I agree. I'm just saying, like, I guess my reaction was, like, I expected it to be much more, like, this was banned for a reason, and I really felt like it Instead, it just kind of pulled the curtain back and gave me this glimpse. I didn't feel like it was super staged, but I feel like I don't know. I'm just I, I don't think it. it makes. I actually don't think it makes Prince Philip look very good because of some of the remarks mm-hmm. that he makes too are like like when he's laughing at the portrait of 
Richard Nixon, which like that whole scene is just problematic to begin with. But like, he, I don't know. But on the flip side of that, I did feel like the way that they navigate those rooms of of so many people yeah. to there to see him and Philip, he's not really having small talk with each person. He has like, I'm sure people are cueing him on who each person is as he makes his way around the room, but he mm-hmm. calls up all these details there. It's just, I guess it's highs and lows. And what a perfect way to segue into our <laughs> highs and lows. <laughs> Did you like that? I, I loved it. <laughs> Before we adjourn the Royal Pod, here are highs and lows. It's time for the Royal Highs and Lows. Milo, this is so sad. I can't believe this This came today. Captain Tom Moore has died of COVID. He was 100 and in the hospital after contracting pneumonia and eventually COVID. He has been such an inspiration for the past few, I mean, more than a few months. He raised millions of, I think over... 30 million pounds to support health workers by walking 100 laps in his garden early on in the pandemic. He's a World War II veteran who was knighted last July by the Queen. Such a sad loss. The Queen even offered her condolences on Instagram via the royal family account. And she said that she was writing to him privately. And while Moore never offered up a recipe for his own longevity, he declared that he lived believing that tomorrow is going to be better than today, even if today was a good day. Yeah, this is a real blow. I feel like he was such an inspiration for all of us during the pandemic. Very sad news. My low is that more details are set to come out about Prince Andrew's, obviously, more details are going to come out about Prince Andrew's involvement with Jeffrey Epstein. So the latest is that the flight logs from two of Epstein's pilots from his private plane, which was nicknamed the Lolita Express, are said to be key evidence that could actually link Andrew to Jeffrey Epstein more than originally thought, specifically to the same locations of his accuser, Virginia Roberts Jufri. But it does sound like the initials AP, which were the code name that Andrew, the pilots used to mention Andrew, were used for a couple of other people as well. But the pilots are cooperating with FBI, so more details are definitely coming. And I just feel like everything about this case is such a low. It really is. It's shocking to me that he's still kind of... I, we, I just, I, I don't know. This is too much to get into, but I just, I just feel like he's still like in the inner circle of the royal family and they just it's gonna come out eventually yeah it's... they're gonna know like we're all gonna find out so Ugh. i know a high of the week though the spencer movie with kristen stewart so we recorded before those pics surface or that picture of kristen stewart as diana was released but we, i wanted to bring it up again and there's also one more newer picture showing kristen in a white turtleneck and black pants it's more of a paparazzi photo yeah, I didn't see that. this one. Oh click my gosh, link, Rachel! How did I miss this? The hair, the hair gets me because it's perfect. Roberta, the feathery hair—it's good. You know, now that we oh. know she really can pull off the Diana look, the true test will be the voice because I do think that that is what Emma Corrin nailed on the crown. Mm-hmm. Perfect segue into your high. Oh, my gosh. Well, speaking of The Crown, this we're recording ahead of the Golden Globe announcements, which come out tomorrow, February 3rd, so a day before this episode airs. Um, I just can't wait to see. My high is kind of the 
anticipation of all the Crown nominations. I'm sure it'll be Olivia Coleman and Emma Corrin in the same category for Best Actress. Then we got we have Elena Bonham Carter and Gillian Anderson for Supporting and the lone guy, Josh O'Connor, too, for Best Actor. And I just, I think he is so deserving. So that's kind of my high. I just can't wait to see how that, what happens tomorrow, early, early, when they release all those noms. If there's one person out of the Crown who you want to win the most, would it be Josh O'Connor? Gosh, that's a good question. I just, I think he just. I kind of think Jillian Anderson. Yeah, Jillian Anderson. I think you're right. She crushed it. Yeah, she was just uh, so spot on. That accent. Yeah. Like, I think she had the most character, like, character development. I don't know. That's really hard. Oh, we will see tomorrow. (laughs) Well, just a reminder before we close, leave us a royal rating on Apple Podcasts. Here's a recent review from Dave in Baltimore. He said, hi, R&R. Full disclosure, every podcast on my purple Apple button was sports because, hey, that's what 50-year-old white suburban divorced dads of two listen to, (laughs) right? Wow, that came out of left field. Um, he said, of course, until I found you guys. I stumbled upon Royally Obsessed after watching The Crown and then, of course, looking up all those season four histrionics to see did that really happen. Anyway, your show is fantastic. And raw row. Raw row. Genuine article. Great. <laughs> this might be like a Siri uh, speech to text mishap. Great camaraderie between you two. The isn't two that, ro- no, wait, isn't raw row because of us, like Rachel Roberta? Oh, yeah, well, no one has called us raw-ro before, have they? <laughs> I love that. What's genuine article mean? Like, we're the genuine article is what he's saying. Like, we are the real deal. I've never heard the phrase genuine article before. It's like That's an really older, funny. more dated thing. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, he said, great camaraderie between you two. There were two royal things that made me go, <gasps> he has that emoji that's like shocked face. He said, we're learning that Jillian Anderson played Thatcher. Wow, Scully, pay the makeup artist double. And that Princess Beatrice was born 8-8-88-18. Come on, how crazy is that? Dave, it's crazy. Dave in Baltimore, you are our favorite reviewer of all time. <laughs> reviewer Hall of Fame, raw row. I've never heard that. It's really funny. All right, reminders to subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. You can follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast. And personally, I'm at Robbie Frito. And I'm at RKBNYC. And till next week, God, God save, save the pod. Her Majesties of Royally Obsessed have retired for this episode. God save the pod. And if you fancy the podcast, give Royally Obsessed the royal rating of five stars on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast and join our Facebook group, Royally Obsessed. Royally Obsessed is a gallery podcast production.